Hello and welcome to this edition of the Ian Abernethy podcast. You can watch videos and listen to other podcast episodes by visiting www.ianabernethy.com. So, without further ado, here's Ian Abernethy. Hello, uh, I'm Ian Abernethy and welcome to the latest ianabernethy.com podcast. Uh, this month's podcast, we're going to be discussing uh, styles. Um, where the styles came from, uh, the history of, of some of the main uh, styles within uh, karate, um, what styles mean to us today, how the styles can evolve, um, and we'll conclude with my own kind of personal views on where I think styles are helping us today and where styles are causing us um, some major problems. Um, before we get into the uh, podcast proper, I've just got a couple of uh, quick bits of news. Uh, firstly, is that the fifth issue of Jison Magazine uh, is now out. Uh, for those who haven't seen it yet, if you go to jisonmag.com, that's J-I-S-S-E-N-M-A-G.com, uh, you can download uh, the fifth issue. And we've got plenty of good articles coming in for the sixth one, which will be out towards the, uh, the end of the summer. Uh, the other bit of news is the uh, Society for Applied Traditional Martial Arts, the SATMA organisation. Uh, I've had loads, hundreds and hundreds of people express their interest in that uh, organisation. Um, we're working hard to get that ready for you, but of course with all you know, the, the podcasts and seminars and the travelling and um, uh, you know, the, getting gisting ready and all that kind of stuff, you know, there's a lot of work to be done and only me to do it. Um, but we're getting there with it, you know what I mean? So I appreciate everyone's patience, and uh, thankfully uh, you shouldn't have too much longer to wait on uh, for some more news on uh, on that front. So yeah, um, like I said, this month's podcast is all about the controversial, uh, or potentially controversial, um, uh, issue of uh, styles. And um, okay, let's get into uh, the main meat of this month's uh, podcast. Tell another martial artist that you practice karate, and it's very likely that they will then immediately ask, what style? From this it would seem that the notion of style is felt to be important. However, this raises many questions. How did all these various styles come into existence? Are they really that important? Uh, should we be working hard to preserve the existing styles? Should we be creating new ones? Are we allowed to vary the styles? In this podcast, I'd like to look at the notion of style and uh, suggest that while styles handed down to us uh, are of great value, if we place too much emphasis on style, it can be detrimental to karate. The most widely practiced style of karate today is almost certainly Shotokan karate. As I'm sure those uh, listening to this will know, it was Gichin Funakoshi who is uh, said to be the founder of that style. Um, so what did Funakoshi himself have to say about the style he founded? Well, towards the end of his life, Gichin Funakoshi wrote the following uh, in his book, uh, Karate Do My Way of Life. Funakoshi said, uh, One serious problem, in my opinion, which besets present-day Karate Do, is a prevalence of divergent schools. I believe this will have a deleterious effect on the future development of their art. There is no place in contemporary Karate Do for different schools. Indeed, I have heard myself and my colleagues referred to as the Shotokan school but I strongly object to this attempt at classification. Uh, Funakoshi then goes on to say that he believes all karate is one, and that it is this approach that will best serve the future of karate. So it seems that Funakoshi was not a fan of the idea of schools or styles, and if he were around today, he probably would be unhappy as being labelled the founder of the Shotokan style. Uh, Funakoshi's objection to styles seems to be primarily based on his concern that the styles um, could be divisive, and it would see uh, karate separate into various factions. 
Now, other masters were much more comfortable with the idea of styles, but Funakoshi was in no way alone in his worry that styles could be divisive and detrimental to karate. Uh, Kenwin uh, Mabuni, the founder of Shitoru, is also on record as saying that he felt karate was, uh, was one, and what people considered as styles were simply variations in the expressions of karate's common principles. So we know that the idea of styles was not universally endorsed and that two of modern karate's founders felt that karate as a whole should be valued more than its various expressions. Um, so where do these uh, various expressions or styles come from? So when we talk about karate styles, it's commonly accepted that Shotokan, Shitoru, Wadaru and Gojuru are the four main styles, the most widely practiced uh, across the, the, uh, the globe. So I'd like to um, briefly look at the formation of uh, each of these styles and we'll start with Shotokan. So, Gichin Funakoshi studied under Anko Azato, Anko Itosu, and to a lesser degree, uh, Bushi Matsumura. Uh, now, it was Funakoshi's personal synthesis and expression of what he learnt from these teachers that formed the nucleus of what is now Shotokan. Although, as we've seen, you know, Funakoshi himself didn't like that term. Uh, Funakoshi borrowed a number of ideas from Judo as well, you know, the, the, the uniform, the grading system, and so on. And Funakoshi, uh, Shotokan was uh, further developed by uh, Funakoshi's son, uh, Jigo Funakoshi. Uh, if we look at Shitoryu, uh, Ken Mabuni studied under both uh, Ankui Tosu and uh, Higuana. Uh, Mabuni synthesized the methods of both men into what became known as Shitoryu. Indeed, the name reflects this uh, synthesis, as Shitoryu is derived from the first kanji characters used in writing both uh, Hig uh, Itosu and Higuana. Uh, when I interviewed uh, Haruoshi uh, Yamada, ninth dan, who studied under uh, Chojiro Tani, who was in turn a student of Kenwo Mabuni, uh, when I interviewed him in 2006, he told me that uh, Kenwo Mabuni also practiced Shinden uh, uh, Fudoru Jiu-Jitsu, and he taught this style of Jiu-Jitsu to uh, Tani. Um, however, it would seem that Mabuni kept this aspect of his personal martial arts practice and teaching separate from his, uh, his karate style. Uh, Wado, okay, so before taking up uh, karate, uh, Hironori Uzuka uh, studied Shindo Yoshinru Jiu-Jitsu, under uh, Tasuburo Nakayama, and he became the fourth uh, Grand Master of that style. Uh, later, uh, Utsuka went on to study karate under Gichin Furukoshi, Kenwa Mabuni, and Choki Motobu. So Utsuka's Wado is a fusion of his Jiu-Jitsu and the various interpretations of karate as taught to him by his various teachers. Gojiru? Uh, it was Choji Miyagi who founded uh, that style, and he originally studied uh, Nahate under Kanro uh, Higashiona, and Miyagi, uh, like his teacher, made numerous trips to China to learn more and to further develop his martial arts knowledge. Now, Miyagi himself did not uh, originally give a name to uh, his system until one of his uh, student, uh, senior students, uh, Shinzato, was asked to name it following a demonstration he gave in Tokyo in 1930. Uh, so Shinzato was uh, is said to have struggled to accurately name the style he practiced, and it's said that he reluctantly settled on Nahate, but he felt this didn't accurately reflect what Miyagi was now teaching. So when he returned to Okinawa, he explained this predicament to Miyagi, and Miyagi decided that Gojiru, um, Hard Soft School, would be a good title for what they uh, for the now uh, for what they now practiced. Now, from these you know very brief histories of the four most widely practiced styles, we, one thing we can note straight away is that Funakoshi, Mabuni, Uzuka, and Miyagi, uh, none of them preserved karate exactly as it was passed on to them. Uh, they fused various expressions of karate together, and they also gained both technical and cultural influences from Chinese systems, jiu-jitsu, and even judo. Uh, so these new styles were not pure, or 
passed on in an unchanging form across the centuries, that there are mongrel mix of what the founders considered to be the best aspects of all the various influences. Uh, the past masters mixed things together, they left things out, they created things that were their own. Um, now this is not you know, far from being a free-for-all though. I mean this development of these new traditions, or these new expressions of older traditions if you like, was done according to the process of uh, Shuhari. Now, shuari is a process through which martial arts are said to evolve, and um, each syllable of that um, that phrase uh, obviously represents a specific kanji character, and perhaps the best way to explain the process is to analyse the meaning of each of the uh, individual characters. So if we look at shu, of the shuhari, shu, uh, the meaning of that character is it means to defend or to obey. Now, in the martial arts, this stage would be learning the fundamentals of our chosen style. Uh, the student does not yet have enough knowledge or experience to be uh, to be able to effectively deviate from the fundamentals, and hence it's very important that they strictly adhere to them. So for the shoe stage, essentially that's learning by copying. That's how I would define it: learning by copying. Uh, then we've got ha. Now the meaning of ha is to to diverge or to break away. Now when the martial artist reaches this stage, they'll be working to find their own personal expression of the fundamentals introduced by the preceding stage. Uh, they'll be working out what they feel is the most effective expression and making the corresponding changes to their training and teaching. So I would define this stage, it's learning by experimenting, it's, it's, it's moving away from the, uh, the, the, the basics if you like and starting to find new ways of expressing them in line with your own understanding and experiences. Then we move on to re and the final character means to leave or to, to go away. And at this stage, the martial artist has moved away from the earlier stages of their martial art. And although what they do is uh, can still trace its origins to their early training, it will now be uniquely theirs. Um, it has left what they originally did, and may now need its own name to adequately define it, uh, like what we saw with uh, Miyagi and Gojuru. So, I mean, I see this stage as essentially it's learning by creating. So we've got learning by copying, uh, learning by experimenting, and then learning by creating. Uh, copying, diverging, and then transcending, moving away from. And of course the martial artist who reaches the restage will then encourage their students to copy their teachings, you know, shoo, and then the whole process begins again. Now if you return to look at the, uh, the, uh, the history of the four main styles we discussed before, you can see the shuhari process at work. Uh, the masters who formulated uh, the styles that we have today started by faithfully copying the teachings of their own masters. At a certain point, um, the founders of the modern styles developed their own expression of the, their masters' teachings. And this included the fusing together of various separate methods, um, and by that I mean different martial arts styles and alternative expressions of karate. And finally, the founders of the modern styles, um, what they were doing had moved so far away from the original teachings that it had become something new. And at this point, uh, a new label is often needed, and as soon as you give that label, a new style is born. So as I said earlier, this developing of new styles was not a free-for-all, uh, and these new styles were not born of political infighting, financial interest, or ego. They came into existence as genuinely new expressions of previously existing systems. Okay, so, I mean, so where does that leave us, and, and how does the idea of styles and shuhari um, apply to us today? Now. As I personally see it, one of the biggest problems facing karate today, and, and martial arts generally I guess, is the abandoning of the shuhari ideal. Um, I would suggest to you that in the majority of cases shuhari has been replaced with shu shu shu. 
um, the existing styles are frequently regarded as a sacrosanct, with any minor change being viewed as a form of heresy. Um, you know, copy, copy, copy. And now this is not good for karate, it's not in keeping with what the past masters themselves did, and it's not in line with traditional practices. Now I feel that one of the main reasons for shoo, 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 or copy, 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 becoming so uh, prevalent, is the modern disconnect between problem and solution. The past masters originally sought what they considered to be the best solution to the problem of violence. Now, a problem arose when martial artists stopped measuring against combative efficiency and started introducing artificial criteria such as style purity. Uh, whether something was good or not was no longer measured against how effective it was in combat, but instead good was measured against how close any given motion was to a rigid, uh, a rigid style criteria. Uh, the element of ha, or divergence, was actively discouraged. Now, even if that divergence would increase combative efficiency, it was discouraged. Shu, or the ability to strictly copy a teacher's movements, was all that the grading system rewarded, and so that's all that people trained for. Um, now, this problem can clearly be seen when we, you know, discuss kata. The original purpose of kata was to record and communicate combative techniques and concepts. You could view kata as a, a set of instructions or a syllabus that would guide a practitioner's study and their practice. Uh, kata is a map to guide the student through the landscape of conflict. The trouble has been that people have stopped trying to navigate their way through conflict and started endlessly copying maps. Um, it mat matters little, you know, if people can utilise the map in the territory, you know, if they can actually apply kata in combat, so long as they're actually able to copy out the map. So long as, you know, they can copy what the master did, it's fine. Whether they understand it or not, or they can apply it, is is becoming irrelevant. Um, so, yeah, you know, the actual expression of combative principles within kata has become an irrelevance. Um, the goal has changed. It's now all about faithfully copying and uh, keeping the kata pure. Um... Those who navigated the territory and as a result of their experience suggested updating the map are condemned as heretics. Um, the map is no or the map of the kata is it's no longer something functional, but it's a work of art to be copied and admired but not understood. Now in all fields it's very important that we faithfully and accurately understand the teachings and findings of the previous generation. This information is invaluable as it removes the need for each generation to start from scratch. If we always had to start from scratch, each generation would have to start with fire and the wheel, and hence humanity would make you know, no progress whatsoever. Yeah, so let's, you know, let's use physics as an analogy, right? In the field of physics, school children throughout the world uh, learn Sir Isaac Newton's laws of motion. There's no need to rediscover these laws as the work has already been done. Um, some students may go on to study physics at a high level and eventually work at the cutting edge of the field. Uh, the aim to come up with better theories that explain the physical universe. And in doing so, they are seeking what Newton himself sought. They are honouring him by building on his research. Uh, they would not honour him if they abandoned the search that he was a key part of and instead sought to preserve the infallible equations of Newton rule. Uh, in the martial arts, styles be can become a barrier to progress if they are viewed as something that must always be preserved and can never be deviated from. This preservation prevents the process of shuhari. It diverts us from the quest that the masters themselves were on. It can prevent improvements in combative efficiency. And it will ultimately lead to the stagnation and death of the style that people are working so hard to preserve. As styles are not sacrosanct, it's important that we allow karate to live and to evolve. Now, just to be clear, you know, the styles that have been handed down to us are invaluable, they're priceless. They form the basis of what we do, and we should be incredibly grateful to the founders of these styles for ensuring we don't have to start from the beginning.
uh, we should faithfully copy their teachings so that we gain a good understanding of their own discoveries. However, there should eventually come a point where we should continue to uh, copy the example of the founders of these styles and introduce our own expression of these core concepts. Ha! Shu Hari! And, and eventually we may even do what they did and go on to formulate and teach our own personal expression of karate, you know, the restage. Uh, using style purity to stifle growth is not traditional and it's bad for karate as a whole. Um, now we can we can see the evidence that this loss of um, combative efficiency that form over function karate has produced. Uh, I think we should return to seeing styles as being the foundation that eventually frees us to express karate in our own way. We should be constantly striving to better understand the problem of violence and to improve the solutions offered by previous generations. Now, if we can make any improvements on what's handed on to us, it's because of the superb job the past masters did in preparing us to do just that. We are in no way suggesting we are better than them when we suggest improvements. In fact, we're acknowledging their genius when we suggest improvements to what they taught. Um, now, to use what I think is a very apt quotation from English author uh, John of Salisbury in uh, 1159, he said this, he said, we are like dwarfs on the shoulders of giants, so that we can see more than they and things at greater distance. Not by virtue of any sharpness uh, of sight on our part, or any physical distinction, but because we are carried high and raised up by their giant size. So we are dwarfs standing on the shoulders of giants. If we can see further than them, it's because of the fantastic foundation that they have given us. We're not suggesting for a second that we're bigger giants than them. And I think we do the masters of the past a great disservice if we allow ourselves to be lifted up by them only to close our eyes when, <laughs> when it happens. Um, karate should evolve and, uh, and styles are at their most valuable when they facilitate effective evolution by passing on what the previous generation discovered so that we, we can use it as our base. You know, it's something we can stand on. We are dwarfs standing on the shoulders of giants. Now, sadly, the prevailing view of styles today, far from effectively facilitating evolution, actually prevents that evolution and encourages stagnation. It's copy, copy, copy. Diversion is, is not encouraged at all. Now, personally, um, I'm in agreement with Mabuni and Funakoshi when they say that all karate is one. Uh, now, that does not mean that all expressions of karate should be exactly the same or unchanging. Instead, it means that all the various expressions of karate are simply branches on the same tree. When a tree grows, it produces new branches, and these new branches are good for the health of the whole tree. Now, like a tree, karate will be at its most healthy when it's allowed to grow. Well, I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and whether you agree or disagree with uh, my own personal views on style, I still hope you found it uh, interesting and uh, entertaining. Uh, maybe even thought-provoking, who knows. Um, so, yes, thanks very much for listening in. Um, also, thanks to everyone who keeps putting nice notes about the podcast on iTunes. I uh, really appreciate you all doing that, and um, if you do have anything nice to say about it, by all means, uh, pop along to iTunes and share your thoughts. Um, if you don't like these podcasts, then just, you know, just keep that to yourself. Um, yeah, so um, thanks once again for uh, listening in, and I'll be back shortly with another podcast. As always, all feedback is uh, appreciated. Uh, at Ian, I-A-I-N, at Ian, spelt the same way, Abernethy, A-B-E-R-N-E-T-H-Y dot com. So that's Ian at IanAbernethy.com. Yep, thanks once again for listening in, and uh, have a great month, and I'll be back uh, back soon. Okay, thanks very much. Bye now.